Thank you for joining me on episode 58 of the Unique On Purpose podcast, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. I am your host, Rachel Jenneman, just a regular Midwest girl trying to help people know they are called to be victors in Christ Jesus. And I took about three or four weeks off of the Unique On Purpose podcast because I had just launched my book, The Real War on Women, Overcoming Culture's Lies to Freely Live Out Your God. God-given purpose. And if you have yet to grab a copy, head on over to Amazon.com, put The Real War on Women into your search engine, and it will pop up. But today I talk with Judy Vandenberg, a seasoned saint who, on the outside, you would assume was the perfect Christian church lady. But her story is one of childhood trauma, trials, and triumph. Welcome back to the Unique on Purpose podcast. Rachel Gentleman here with Judy Vandenberg. And Judy, I had you come in today because, well, let's see, what were we doing? We were at lunch. Yes. We were at lunch with a bunch of ministry ladies a few weeks ago, and you told kind of the short version of your testimony. And as I'm listening to you share your your story, I'm thinking other people need to hear this because Judy, I'm not going to say it because I don't know. I don't I don't want to offend people, but do you mind sharing how old you are? I'm 79. You're 79. So you're a war baby. Yep. You're a war baby. And I think when others probably in the church or even outside the church and know that you're a Christian, probably look at your life and say, oh, well, she's just a church lady who's lived this perfect life. Do you ever feel that people have thought that of you? No, because I've always shared my story. <laughs> because you let them know ahead of time. <laughs> right. I let them. I'm, I'm a bold speaker. Good. good. And uh, I'm a blunt speaker. Mm-hmm. I don't like fakeness. Yeah. And um, the Lord has just made me bold Mm -hmm. and I like truth and I speak truth. Yeah. And I know some people get upset over that, but I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. Yeah. And I think that's why we get along so well, (laughs) because I'm the same way. When I first came to Christ, I never understood why people were fake or why they felt that they had to hide their past or put a mask on when they were in front of other church people. Like, I didn't understand that. And I've just never been that way. I'm going, okay, this is who I am. It may be a mess. And yes, God is working on me and I'm moving to improve myself, but I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I'm somebody I'm not. So Mm -hmm. I like that about you. So let's just start from kind of the beginning of your testimony, just how you grew up. I was born and raised on a farm. I had to go out into the barn and work Mm -hmm. because uh, when I was five, because of I was the one chosen. Mm-hmm. There were five children. I had a sister older and the rest were younger. And I spent all the time out in the barn until uh, at 10, my father lost his arm in a farm accident. Mm-hmm. And then um, we had to, we tried to farm a couple of years with his one arm, but it was two. And then we moved into town. Mm. Now, where is this at? Is this in Michigan? Yes, it was in okay. Everett, Michigan. Everett, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, always lived, felt like I lived in the shadow of my sister, mm-hmm. my older sister, because Sandy was smart, outgoing. Mm-hmm. I was kind of shy when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I was always told, you know, you know, you're never going to be smart like your sister. these Like from your parents? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Why can't you be like Sandy? Why can't you mm. do this? Why can't you, you know? 
and it just kind of left me stifled. I always felt um, that she was loved more than me. And I know they did the best they could, but that was just my makeup. Yeah. And so I tried real hard one time. I told my father, because he told me, he said, you, you couldn't get on the honor roll if you had to. And so I was just stubborn enough that I proved to him, and I got on the honor roll. Mm, oh, nice. <laughs> and he never said a word. Oh. And that just kind of crushed me. Mm-hmm. And it was just different experiences like that. So then when I was 15, I just kind of arched my back after that, and I decided, forget it. Yeah. I said, I can't win, so I'm going to do what I want to do. And then I turned rebellious. Mm-hmm. And um, pretty much didn't care what they thought. Mm-hmm. Now, before you go on, I, I'm trying to understand your parents and where they're coming from a little bit more. Do you think they were kind of hardened from maybe the depression, going through all of that? Uh, I mean, did your dad serve in the military? I know a lot of men served back no, then. No. no. Okay. We were poor. We were mm-hmm. very, very poor. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were five children. Mom stayed at home. And then um, it was just a way of life. Okay. And I'm sure that got on them. Mm. You know, that Mm -hmm. bothered them. Mm -hmm. And just the struggles of day to day. And then my grandma and grandpa lived on a smaller farm and mom and dad had to take care of them too. So there was a lot of responsibility. Mm -hmm. And so it's just the lifestyle that we were raised in. Okay. So then you're now 15, you say, I'm going to rebel. Now, what what does that mean? Well, I started smoking Mm -hmm. and uh, running around more, chasing fellas more. Which was a big deal back then. then. People nowadays are like, eh, that's that's nothing. But back then, that was huge. It was. Mm -hmm. And uh, I uh, had been raised on a farm and nobody knew that I even existed because um, I didn't go much and um one thing i remember when we lived on that on the farm if dad would have an extra dime he would take us to a movie on saturday nights they would usually have drinking parties at the house Mm -hmm. your parents my parents did and so on sunday mornings they would pawn us off to this church it was a free methodist church Mm mm-hmm and my Sunday school teacher was, in my eyes, very evil because mom would curl our hair and she would tell me that I was going to go to hell. The Sunday school teacher the said The Sunday this. school oh teacher said gosh. that. Like, what was in her mind that, I mean, it's just hair. What? <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know. Okay. And, you know, I'd share that would go to, I saw this movie and... She would say, you're going to go to hell for going to movies. Oh, my word. But that was just their belief. They were so rigid. There was no joy or anything. And I was petrified. And so I figured, you know, I was scared to death of God. And my grandma was a Christian. Mm -hmm. And she was praying for me. But I'm thinking, she's crazy. Yeah. Why would, if my family doesn't love me, and that's how I felt. Mm Mm-hmm. And I know they love me in their own way, mm-hmm. but that's just was, I believe it was, the devil was working in my heart back then because he did not want me to grow. Yeah. And it stifled me. And so 
I figured it was a lost cause. There was no way I was going to go to heaven. If my folks didn't love me and God was that mean, mm-hmm. I might as well just raise hell to put it bluntly. Yeah, why go to church? Why, yeah. why serve God if yeah, right. it's going to be this way? Right. And so then I met my husband and I basically got married to get out of the house. And how did you meet him? I worked at the A&W. Uh-huh. And... Uh, that's where I met him. Right off the bat, we had three children. I had three children in 32 months. Wow. And uh, that was rough. Mm-hmm. That was rough. Now, you said you didn't know how that happened. You stopped having kids after you figured out how that happened. You were <laughs> yeah. never taught anything no. about biology, no. anatomy, nothing. No. Wow. No. Mm-hmm. No, I said I had three kids, and then I found out what was causing it. And so <laughs> <laughs> that's what—that's right. That's the word that you use. Yes, yes. But, and to me, that's also mind-blowing—the fact that you can grow up and not know how children are born, yeah, how it, they're created. It was never—it was never brought up. I was really ignorant of that, mm-hmm. and so I didn't have a clue. Mm-hmm. And then, bam! Along come three little kids. Mm-hmm. So now, how old are you? You said you're 21? Yep. You're 21. You have three kids. What's going on right now? How's the marriage at this point with all your past baggage? You know, I just, I think I just existed. Mm-hmm. I was so overwhelmed with three little kids. Mm-hmm. And then my husband worked nights, so he'd leave at uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon and he would get home one, two o'clock at night because after he got out of work at midnight, he would go to the bar mm. and leave me with the, you know, and so I was with the kids all that time. And that's the way it was day in and day out. It was rough. Mm-hmm. It was rough. You know, we did go to a, a Lutheran church because Rex was raised Lutheran, mm-hmm. but I wasn't a Christian. And so were you just going to church at that point to appease him? Yeah. Because you didn't really want anything to do with God. No. Mm -hmm. And so what I did then, uh, I had told my husband, either you start paying attention to me or I'll find someone that will. Mm -hmm. And so I did. Mm -hmm. But we got back together. It was, I can't believe some of the things I did. And, um... But we got back together, and uh, one night, when my husband and son were gone to a basketball game, the girls were in bed, and I, don't ask me why, I watched Billy Graham. Hmm. Now, up to that point, I'd done a lot of drinking. It would be so that when um, my husband would come home from work, I'd go down to the bar with my father-in-law just to get out of the house. Yeah. I smoked two and a half, three packs of cigarettes a day. Wow. And I swore like a longshoreman. My mouth was filthy. Mm-hmm. And yet there was no guilt and shame in it. I just, you know, too bad. If you like me, fine. If you don't, fine. Mm-hmm. And, um, but then this chokes me up. When I watched Billy Graham that night. I accepted the Lord. It was amazing. And he took that desire to smoke, drink, 
and swear away. I was 26. Mm-hmm. I'm 79 now. I haven't had a cigarette since then. Mm-hmm. I haven't, I, I've had wine, but nothing. You know, I used to drink the heavy stuff. Yeah. And uh, I certainly don't talk like I used to. But what was it? Watch. I mean, because you went from I have this like unhealthy fear of God that if I curl my hair, I'm going to hell. And my parents don't love me. And and really, how we're raised, how we see our parents, is a reflection of how we see God. I know. So what? What the heck happened? <laughs> I mean, you're watching Billy Graham. How did all of that change? What? It's only the Lord. Only the Lord. I can't answer that. But I mean, did you just suddenly realize, oh, God is not the mean, awful God. I think he is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because God did a miracle that night when I, I've thought about that and thought about it and thought about it because I use the Lord's name in vain constantly. Mm-hmm. Then. And I mocked, fun, mocked Christians. But that night it was only the Lord. Mm-hmm. It was nothing I did. That's what's so amazing about it. Yeah. Because, to, you know, cigarettes back then weren't filter. They were, I smoked Pall Mall, mm-hmm. Lucky Strikes. Those were heavy duty cigarettes. Yeah. And it blows my mind that I have never craved a cigarette since that day. Mm-hmm. And my mother and I always didn't get along. But yeah, mom would, would say to people, you wouldn't believe it, Judy. She's changed. Mm-hmm. She's not the same Judy. Mm-hmm. She could see a difference. Mm-hmm. But it was only the Lord. I can't tell you. It was amazing that night. Mm-hmm. But I remember I stood about 10 feet off the ground. Mm-hmm. There was such a peace. It was mind boggling, something I had never felt. Mm-hmm. in my life and such a love mm-hmm. that it was just a miracle so you accept Christ in your heart watching Billy Graham after this happens what is your husband thinking what are your kids thinking I mean I'm, I'm assuming they are seeing the change in you my husband and I were at that point we're at quite a you know we came and went and I don't know. It was just kind of oblivious. There was right. just, we went to church and then I, I started, um, so we sent our children to Christian school, McBain Northern Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, I drove bus for a while and then um, I set up the hot lunch program over at McBain Northern Christian. Mm-hmm. And I was, Worked there as a head cook and uh, as a janitor to put my children through Christian school. Mm-hmm. And then um, when Brian was a junior, he wanted to go to public school to play football. And he had stated to me, I think he was like in the sophomore, he said, Mom, I don't understand why the kids in public schools seem more like Christians than the kids at Christian. Mm. And so, but back then, McBain public and McBain Christian, everybody's related in McBain. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and it was a 
McBain Public was as Christian as McBain Christian. Mm-hmm. So they transferred over there. And um, I worked as a cook out in Falmouth then because I had to leave Christian school because my children weren't there. Mm-hmm. And then the, the kids just eventually graduated. And um, But my husband and I just grew further apart. Mm-hmm. And so... I got some counseling. You know, um, when I accepted the Lord, the sad thing was about this was I tried reading God's word. And there was still that. I was always of the mindset when you became a Christian, everything's going to be wonderful. Mm. You won't have any more troubles. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that's not true. Right. When you become a Christian, things get harder. All, <laughs> all hell breaks loose because right. the devil is after you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you're not serving God, the devil doesn't have to do anything. No. You're already doing it yourself. Right. But when you become a Christian, that's when he has to start working. Right. And so um, I struggled because I wanted to be good. And, you know, I just wasn't all the time. Mm hmm. And so I kind of fell away. Just, I'm thinking, I don't understand this. Mm -hmm. So when I, my children were all out of high school, when I hit the age of 40, it was traumatic for me. I don't know why. Uh, And I had, and I had searched for counseling. I had counseled two years before that with my pastor. And so when I reached the age of 40, I approached my husband and I said that I wanted him to get counseling Mm -hmm. or I was going to divorce him. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, when I counseled my pastor, I was always of the mindset that if you get a divorce, I was going to go to hell. And I didn't want to go to hell. Yeah. That's how ignorant I was of God's word. Mm -hmm. And so... uh, when I um, went to him, and he went and he talked to the pastor. Took him two weeks, and he finally come back. We were going to one of our sons who played semi-pro football. Mm-hmm. And um, he said, um, I said, did you go see pastor? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, I did. And I said, are you going to start counseling? He said, he, de- he said, I don't need it. So that really checked me off so I called pastor the next morning and I said mm-hmm. what is the deal yeah and he said he doesn't need it because he thinks you're the whole problem and until he realizes he's part of the problem I'm wasting my time and his right which is true yeah yeah you can't change somebody that doesn't want to be changed no or help somebody change no don't want to be changed so then I got so upset so I went to my folks, and I borrowed money, and I went and filed for a divorce. Mm-hmm. And I stayed at the house for a while, but it was just too rough. So then I moved in with this, some friends of mine in McBain. And that's when the devil took over. Mm-hmm. And um, they introduced me to my now husband. Mm-hmm. It wasn't long 
and I moved into his house. I was still married. Mm-hmm. And I moved into his house. And we waited for my divorce mm-hmm. to get married. I still can't believe who that woman was because, oh, and in between that, when I filed for divorce, my son came down with cancer. Oh, my gosh. He was 21, and he called me, and he said, Mom, I've got this lump in my cheek. And the dentist says, it's, I just bit my cheek. Mm-hmm. Well, when he came home for Thanksgiving, he had a massive tumor on his face. Mm-hmm. And in January, I got a call, and he was told me, Mom, the doctor wants to talk to you. And it was cancer, non-Hodgkin's type lymphoma. Mm-hmm. And... uh so I'm in the middle of a divorce, and my son has cancer. And, you know, I was just oblivious. I, it was, I don't even know who that woman was. I always think of that scripture, be careful lest ye fall. Don't ever be too confident, mm-hmm. because Satan will use anything, mm-hmm. and he is sneaky. Mm-hmm. I hate him. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, um, and during that time, I received, and this is where good Christian friends come along, from a lady saying that the Lord was punishing me by giving my son cancer. Oh, jeez. Because I had gotten a divorce. Wow. So there's just one more defeat, yeah. you know. Yeah. And again, if you're not really engrossed in Scripture, you didn't no. know that was a lie. No, no. And so I lived under guilt and shame there for 26 years. Mm-hmm. Guilt, you know, when I'm, I we got married, my husband now and I did. And I lost my whole family. Because I, of that divorce? Yeah. I have a, a daughter that she hated me. She still does. Mm-hmm. We mended fences for a while, but I haven't seen her in seven years. Wow. And uh, I know it devastated my son mm-hmm. and my other daughter, too. But my, I have a relationship with my youngest daughter now. But uh, I don't have one with the other children. Mm-hmm. But through all this, probably after moving here to Traverse City, I went to... Um, I just said to the Lord, Father, I'm so far. I need help. And my husband now and I, we'd go to church, but nothing just really clicked. Mm -hmm. Well, then I started going to Christian Women's Club. And I asked the Lord, I need a Bible study. Mm -hmm. I got to get back with you. Mm -hmm. And so he sent me over to Donna Treeweiler's to um, a Bible study on Genesis. Mm-hmm. And I argued with him, Genesis, because I was of the mindset that the only good part of the Bible now was the New Testament. Okay. The Old Testament didn't matter. Mm. So why would you go study that if yeah. it doesn't matter? Right. Well, it was through studying Genesis. And then when I met Donna Treewiler, she scared the heck out of me. <laughs> why is that? Because Donna's so... The way she carries herself, she's so, I I appear, thought she looked like she was too godly for me. Nobody is going to want to be. 
mm-hmm. with me because yeah. I still was covered with so much guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. But it was through that study that I recommitted my life to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And um, it's been amazing how he's used me. Mm-hmm. And so you you give your heart to the Lord. So then, do you and your husband start going to that church that that no. Bible study was a part of? No, that Christian Women's Club for women all over the city. Oh, okay, got it. And uh, there were speakers that would come, mm-hmm. and we started going to Bayview Westland. Mm-hmm. But my husband is not a believer. Mm-hmm. That was another thing that was not good. Mm-hmm. And so long story short, after visiting just about every church in Traverse City, I finally said, enough is enough. I'm going mm-hmm. to New Hope. Okay. And New Hope is where I've really grown. Mm-hmm. I've held Bible studies in my house for, oh my gosh, 30 years, I think. Yeah. And I'm still holding them. Mm-hmm. But... It amazes me how the Lord has used me. I, you know, I felt under so much guilt and condemnation. Mm-hmm. And I did a lot of studying on my own. I buy books. I buy, right now I'm in a, um, a devotional, but Jeremiah, by I think her last name is Spoolstra. And just reading about Jeremiah, the hard life that he had. Mm-hmm. It's so encouraging, you know, because Mm -hmm. when you do serve the Lord, life is hard. Jesus said, Mm -hmm. you will have trials and tribulations. Yeah. And so um, it's been amazing. He he has been so wonderful. And your husband, you said, is not serving the Lord. No. To this day. No. How does, what I find really awesome is that, Okay, my husband's not going to serve the Lord, but I'm still going to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think that there are a lot of women out there. Actually, I don't think I know because I've met them and I've talked to them that they want to go to church. They want to serve the Lord, but they won't do it unless their husband does it. They won't go to church unless their husband does. They won't do anything for Jesus unless their husband does. And it's like, I get that you want to be a couple and you want to be the team, but yet at the same time, we still as individuals need to grow and to learn. My salvation doesn't depend on my husband. Right. My salvation depends on the Lord. Yes. And this is where God has given me boldness. I'm going to serve the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have much of a family life mm-hmm. with, you know, where everybody's families get together and everything's wonderful. Mm-hmm. No, I don't have that. Yeah. But there are consequences to your sins. And, um, but the Lord is just, when we bought this last house, I made up my mind. I just said, Lord, this house is for you. Use it. Mm -hmm. And so, um, he's used me. It just, it just blows my mind Mm -hmm. how, uh, right now I have 11 ladies and we had 12, but a lost one with cancer Mm -hmm. this summer. Mm -hmm. But, we have, I have, they come about 9.30, we have Bible study 10 to 12, and then at 12, I always fix a lunch for them, mm-hmm. and they go home between 2, 3 o'clock. But we have fellowship, prayer time, and just getting to love on one another. Mm-hmm. 
We do that every week. Mm-hmm. We don't stop. And uh, I've set guidelines on the Bible study. We're going to study God's word. We're not talking politics, mm-hmm. COVID, or that <laughs> nonsense. Mm-hmm. Because we're here to honor God. Mm-hmm. And that's, in fact, one of my girls now want to know if I used to be a drill sergeant. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I am now. <laughs> I said, with you women, I have to be. <laughs> but Sometimes know, hurting women is like hurting cats, and yes. You, it is, yes. And, and keeping them quiet. <laughs> yeah. But you know, one thing I forgot to mention was I went through, when I was 66, I went through the Steps to Freedom mm-hmm. with Donna Treeweiler and Jill Prout. For me to sit in the room with those two scared the tar out of me mm-hmm. because they're both, I looked at pure mm-hmm. or godly women. But I'll tell you, God did such a work through me then. I've been bolder, happier, more content in the last 66 to seven, nine, 13 years than I ever was in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And it's all due to God because he, he's cleaning me up. He's using me. When I, when I go through trials and I've told my girls, I mentored a bunch of young moms that when you're going through a hard time, don't look at it as bad, even though it's not fun to go through. And it hurts. Mm -hmm. Look at what Jesus went through. Mm -hmm. But when we go through those hard times, God is growing us up. He's cleaning us up. He's pruning us. Mm -hmm. Be thankful. Because his word says, in all things, give praise and thanksgiving. Because you will have a hard time. Mm -hmm. Trials and tribulations. Mm -hmm. And so, and the cool thing is, as painful as it is, in the end, he's always glorified. Mm-hmm. And he gives you the strength and the grace and the mercy and the love to get through with it. Mm-hmm. And you learn from it. Yeah. If you're willing to learn. Mm-hmm. I tell my grandkids who have really, I have great grandkids that are having a tough time. And my oldest great granddaughter is really struggling. And I told her, you have a choice. You can be a victim mm-hmm. or a victor. Amen. Yep. And it's your choice. Mm-hmm. I said, if you're a victor with the Lord, you can do anything. Right. But if you're a victim, you've already lost because you're, that's exactly what the devil wants. Well, and when you hold on to that victimhood, what you're really saying to God is, uh, I, I have no desire to embrace the future that you have for me. Right. Because it's when we decide to overcome, to become victors, that's when we can start experiencing the true freedom like what right. you did. And right. what I find fascinating is here you spent most of your life afraid of God, running from God, but chasing after the things that you thought would make you happy. And yet the last 13 years, you said this has been the happiest you've ever been. One, because you decided to get clean, Mm -hmm. but also you're serving other people. And I think that is something we miss in a culture that says, do what makes you happy. I mean, that's the culture. That's the culture's mantra. Do what makes you happy. But 
when we do what makes, if I were to do what would make me happy, Judy, my family life would be ruined. I would ruin my family and there would be a ripple effect for generations to come. But when what essentially is going to make you happy is serving other people. That's what you're doing. It is. And I love serving people, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's not for me. It's the Lord Mm -hmm. because I'm too selfish. (laughs) (laughs) We all, we all are too selfish, you know, and another thing, my favorite verse, (laughs) just, I love it. I was having a pity party. I think there was about three, four years ago. Because I didn't want to do anything. And, you know, if you listen to all the preachers, you could be going 24-7. I don't want to go 24-7, and God doesn't call me to go 24-7. Right. But I was sitting there, and I said, Father, I'm sorry. I feel worthless today. I don't want to do anything. Mm -hmm. He said, Judy, I knew this was going to happen. I knew this day was coming. He said, before I formed you in your mother's womb. I knew you, mm-hmm. and he still chose me. Mm-hmm. He knew all the drinking and smoking. He knew I was going to be an adulteress. He knew everything bad that I was doing mm-hmm. before I was even born, and he chose me then. Mm-hmm. So those are all just lessons, and I look at him as... Um, the scars that he's given me to bring glory to him mm-hmm. because it's only him. <laughs> he's the only one reason that I'm sitting here today. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes me happy. Yeah. And you're using what you're gifted at. You're yeah. comfortable with what you're gifted at. Yeah. I think there are a lot of people out there. I mean, you are, you're, you're really, your spiritual gifting is hospitality. Yes. You invite these people into your home. You teach them. You serve them. You're known around the station as Cinnamon Roll, Cinnamon Roll Judy because <laughs> you bring us cinnamon rolls. We talk about them on the air. And But that, for you, that's your gifting. And some would see that as weakness, someone that wants to serve other people. But you're saying, no, that's my gifting. And that's what... That's what brings me joy, but also that's what glorifies God. And you're comfortable in that. There are a lot of people, even at 79 years old, that still aren't even comfortable with who God created them to be, who and, they are. And that's another thing that that um, verse, because I always felt I've got to be strong to protect myself. Mm-hmm. Nobody else is going to protect because me. Because you had to. Right. I mean, you were in survival mode for right. so many years growing right. up. Yes. Right. And so... But one day when I looked at that verse and we were studying and it says, when I am weak, he is strong. And I thought, I don't have to be strong. Mm. That has really helped me too. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be strong. I don't have to fight for everything. Yeah. He, he's my helper. He's my fighter. He's my Lord. He's my protector, my provider. Mm-hmm. And that was such a relief. Mm-hmm. I blubber a lot, but it's not tears of sadness. Mm-hmm. It's tears of joy to think a God who I thought hated me because I was so bad. Mm-hmm. He, he loves me. Yeah. And I've had peace that I've never had before. Mm-hmm. 
And if people like me, fine. Mm-hmm. If they don't, fine. Yeah. It's not that I don't want to be friends with them, but I'm not going to cry over it mm-hmm. because not everybody's going to like me. I don't like everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he is he is so faithful. Mm-hmm. It just blows my mind. So before we wrap up, if there is someone out there someone younger, because I just see you as that godmother that needs to be speaking into the uh, younger generation. If there is someone in that place that you were in of, I'm in survival mode, God wants nothing to do with me, I'm already bad, so I might as well continue to be bad, and there's no hope for me, what would you say to that person? There is hope. Mm -hmm. You need whether just stop and ask the Lord, just tell him exactly how you feel, because he knows exactly how you feel. Mm-hmm. Cry out to him, then try to find a church and try to find someone to help mentor you. Mm-hmm. Because mentoring is is a necessity as far as I can see for people that are struggling mm-hmm. and that are new in the faith, because there's so much to learn. Yeah. And God loves you. Mm-hmm. And it's the devil that wants to defeat you. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I know that's hard to understand, especially for kids that have really had a rough life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you were missing when you turned 40. Mm-hmm. You were sitting there and and you needed that mentor. You needed that discipleship. That I did. You weren't, or back when you were 26 and you received God into your heart watching Billy Graham you needed that discipleship yeah. and that wasn't there. I went to church, but nobody ever explained anything. Mm. You know, it was just, in fact, I went to Cadillac Christian Reformed Church and I remember the pastor there was Reverend Abel Poole. First time in my life I ever heard that God loved me. Oh, wow. I'm thinking, wow. I didn't have anybody, you know, and, and believe it or not, back then I was introverted kind of mm-hmm. I was very insecure mm-hmm. and so I didn't make friends easy mm-hmm. but again when you're in survival mode right it's hard to be able to do that it's hard to open yourself up if you, is there any last words that you would like to share with anybody listening oh my the, I guess don't give up because the Lord is there I know you can't see him I, but it's amazing if you just stop and tell him, Father, I don't, or Lord, I don't know anything about you. Mm-hmm. I can't see you. I can't feel you. But I want your peace. I want you to come into my life. I want you to show me the way to go. And he will answer. Mm-hmm. And he will give you peace. It's so amazing. I've said to him, sitting in my little TV room where I do my devotions. I say, Father, it's so amazing that I can feel you. I can't see you, but I can feel you. Mm -hmm. And so he loves you. Don't give up. Please stop and ask him into your life and then go to a church Mm -hmm. and ask for help. Yeah, get that discipleship, that mentorship that you need. Well, Judy, thanks for coming in today and just sharing with us, because like I said earlier, there's a lot of people that would look at someone like you and say, oh, 
She's lived that cur- cur- that perfect Christian life. She's got all of her I's dotted and T's crossed. And there's a lot that in the younger generation need to learn from those um, that are in the older generation passing the baton. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Unique On Purpose podcast. And a huge thank you to Judy for really sharing her story, being vulnerable. And there are many out there, maybe you listening, that say, man, I didn't know that I could come to God so broken. Yes, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, you can come to God broken. And he wants to put together those pieces so you can become victorious. Unique on Purpose is available on iTunes as well as Spotify. Don't forget to share, download, and subscribe. And remember, you were created unique on purpose. You are loved. And because of Christ, you have been made worthy. I will see you next time.